Welcome to another week of decaf where Mark and I are a little more rested than last week, but not really because election stuff is still going on. And I have my three shot iced latte here. Mark, are you drinking coffee or is that wine? No, it is coffee. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like you. I don't drink wine before 11, 11 a.m., but whatever. We all ruin things. Listen, I only do it sometimes. Actually, it was funny last week. I texted Stephanie and Justin when things were getting crazy with the um, with the election. And I said, I've changed my tune. I want madness. I want 269 to 269. I want it to go to the house. I want chaos. And Stephanie texted me back and said, Taylor, it's completely inappropriate for you to be drunk at 11.50 in the morning, which I thought was the <laughs> only also, appropriate response. Drunk or yes, drunk or dumb, one or the other. But Right, the only appropriate response. Um, so we have got Ugh. some exciting news from Beacon this week. Um, we released a new report on the ESA program and how much money it would save cities across the state. Um, Jason and Ron did a great job on our policy team of putting that all together, and they found some really interesting things about the total amount of cost savings that would come from this program. And, you know, people argue constantly, opponents of the program argue that it's not good for, it's not good for the state, it doesn't save money, it actually costs more money, but our our study found something completely different, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I mean, and also we just released about an hour ago, so it is just released fresh off the presses. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the study that we we showed is very similar to what other states have shown is that um, when kids leave the school, more money stays in the school. The, the school districts actually save money, and that kid has a better, I mean, the kids that are there have more money, and the kids that leave have a different education that's better for them. So I think that Ron found that, um, Nashville, it's about $500 per student in that last. 523, yeah. Yeah, 523. And then Memphis, like $2,000. And it's because I guess it costs Nashville a lot more for like the upkeep of the schools and things like that that are fixed costs where Memphis doesn't have as much for that. But I mean, $2,000 a child is, is a crazy amount. I mean, that's so much money that's still left in for the kids there. So for all the people who say, we want more money in public schools, there, here's more money in public schools. It's ESAs. ESAs puts more money in public schools per child. So uh, Jason, did, I mean, it was Jason who did the research, did a great job with this. I'm certainly not smart enough to know all the formulas or anything like that, but it, it, it is, it's on top of the idea that we believe in choice. It's like, it also is a fiscally responsible way to, to give kids a choice and families a choice. Yes, absolutely. It would save, the program right now is capped at 15,000 um, students that could enroll in it. And it would save about $21 million if they, if, if all the students that could get in the program did, it would save for the school systems around 21, just over $21 million. That's not chump change. That's a no. lot of money. And that's Metro Nashville Public Schools and it's Shelby County Schools. I always kind of get the shit yeah. in Shelby, but so it's just those school districts. That's the only one that the, the ESA bill that passed encompassed. But I mean, yeah, that is a lot of money. And it's not, I don't think that we're at a place where Nashville should be throwing away money since I think we have got some other issues. And it's not like Memphis is fiscally sound either. So yeah. this idea that you can keep money in the school districts and, and allow kids and families to get kind of a personalized education that best meets their needs. I don't see the downside here. I guess the unions, but outside of the unions, I don't see the downside, the teacher gene. I mean, that's the only people who lose here, right? I, I totally agree. I completely agree with you. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. It's posted on the research tab on our website, on Twitter, on Facebook, and we're going to keep posting some really interesting infographics with key takeaways um, over the next couple of days. Share those and um, let us know what you think. And if you know someone who is interested in enrolling in the program but doesn't know anything about it, my job is to help out with that. So send them to me and I'll help them out with that.
Um, let's talk about something that's maybe not as great, but I kind of think it is great. Um, Joy Reid, if you know me, you know that I can't stand MSNBC. I've watched it maybe 10 minutes my whole life and my blood pressure went up so high that I was very worried. Where you can't stand it from 10 minutes of watching total, but. It tells you everything you need to know if I watch it <laughs> for 10 minutes and then my blood pressure skyrockets. Can't stand it. But Joy Reid is one of the commentators on MSNBC and the New York um, Post said today in a, in a headline, Joy Reid is the wrongest person on the internet. And I think that that's pretty spot on. Mark, would you like to give us a little recap of what she said that got her that title? Well, it had to be, I mean, among anything, it had to be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. So she was talking about the site, which is one of my favorite sites. I go on it every day before election 538, which is Nate. We love Nate Silver. We yeah, Nate Silver's crazy. website um, where he puts percentages. He uses polls that have already been done. He puts percentage on not, not super accurate this past election, but a really good place. And he does sports and advanced stats and everything. And it's kind yeah. of a, a nonpartisan way of, of trying to put the polls together. He was talking about 538, and she claimed, hey, the only reason we need 538, it's named after how many votes Bush beat Gore by in Florida, um, which, first of all, is insane that she would think that he would put this website of, like, trying to calculate sports, different elections based on some weird election outcome in Florida from, like, 2000. I mean, that's, I don't understand to begin with. The correct number is 537 for that. Um, for those who don't know, 538 refers to the number of electoral college votes that we have in the United States, which pretty much everyone knows. Um, and I will say that she got just beat up by everybody. It, it didn't matter your political affiliation. They were like, no, that's definitely not what 538 was named after. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was among the most asinine tweets I've ever seen. And the worst part, it, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't do my research. It's like, this is common knowledge for anybody. People don't even pay attention to 538 notice. Anyone. And for her as a, as a political commentator, I mean, she has said some things in the past. The reason that I can't stand her is because she just runs her mouth and doesn't try to back anything up and blames her mistakes on other people. And then this time she said what she said in a time when like everyone's paying attention to what the electoral college looks like and it took her like 24 hours to delete the tweet like she she was immediately called out she tried to like justify it too it's like oh well of course that was so close i got those mixed up it's like you don't get those mixed up if I, that, why would a website be named after that even though the number was close why would it be named after that that does electoral college votes why would the why would the vote difference between Bush v. Gore and Florida be the name of a website that does political calculations? That makes no sense. I mean, I think that she, and this is just me roasting her because I can't stand her. I think that she's just in the habit so much of just making up what she wants to be true and saying it as if it was true that she just thought she could do it this time too. And it's just and it's just not the case. I have a lesson for kind of political commentators on both sides. If you say if you say something dumb, which this is unquestionably dumb. Instead of trying to like justify it, be like, oh yeah, I guess I was wrong, but I confused these two really close things, which were not close at all. Just say, yeah, that was super dumb of me. My bad. I don't know what I was thinking. Just own it and say, that was my fault. That was a very dumb tweet. I mean, I say dumb stuff. And when I said, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty dumb that I said that I didn't realize what, or if I was like Jessica Simpson, not knowing what tuna of the sea is. Yes. Chicken of the sea. Chicken of the sea. It's tuna. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> for MO. Like when people found some really inappropriate things that she had written in the past, she blamed it on a hacker and said that the FBI was doing an investigation, which they weren't. Um, she just, he, she always shoots off her mouth and, and then blames it on someone else or says it's not my fault or whatever. And it's just like, honey, if you're going to keep your job, which if I was MSNBC, she'd be after all that. But 
if you're going to keep your job and demand respect from people who are watching you, just like clue in just a little bit, just a little. Also, we need to realize at this point in time, we know it's not hackers. Whatever that the the CNN host who who says Scaramucci that that his tweet to him was like CNBC he was guy who was going to host yeah. the debate. Yeah, he said it was hacked. Like, hey, we know it wasn't hacked. How, why would somebody hack you and do that? Like. We are not, I feel like in 98, 90, 74 people understood the internet, you might've been able to get away with that. But unless you were actually hacked, it's very easy to tell from like experts that you were or were not hacked. So stop yeah. using it. If you're hacked by a bot, your social media is going to be like Ray-Ban ads. It's not going to be a tweet. <laughs> 999 <laughs> Ray-Bans, that's right, that's right. You know, like, that's, not, that's not what it's going to be. People, these, these people in the national media, this is why I really get all of my news from local media. Like I really do look at the Tennessean for a lot of stuff. I look at the Wall Street Journal, but a lot of these national media outlets, um, they just have lost my trust. Like that CNBC guy, I always watch CNBC, lost my trust after that. I've never watched MSNBC, but Joy Reid, man, she's just deteriorating their trust base at all. I mean, in, in its entirety, there's so many of them. After the Jeffrey Tubin thing, people aren't going to pay attention to that anymore. After um, that guy that got kicked out of the White House that got his his press permit pulled from the White House. What was his uh, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's Acosta. a yeah, yeah. Acosta, yeah. He's eroding there are people, these people are eroding trust in national media, which is why I think that the local media is so important this day and age. So um it's just just another example. And one more one more thing about national media is like because you you know that I I have the same concerns you do. I hate throwing an entire national media under the bus. Find reporters and find people that you like, that you trust. I, I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, there, there is good reporters on CNN. There's good reporters on Fox News. Maybe MSNBC, I can't think of any, but hypothetically there could be. Um, but find people that you know and trust and, and don't, I, I think it's, it's helpful not to lump it all into, oh, this network's awful, this network's awful. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of them are awful in some way. But find reporters and, and national media outlets that or national media people that you trust and follow them and say, yeah. you know, everyone else i'm not gonna I, I don't care i'm not gonna watch any other i'm not gonna watch the 12 to 3 but there is some really good reporters out there um most of them are are journalists at this point i think yes but a lot of good reporters and if you follow one uh trust them and maybe don't listen to anything else yeah maria bartiromo on fox oh, she's great. is my go-to um and there are some it's just it's a shame my point is it's just a shame that certain reporters and and or journalists or whoever are eroding trust in the media where it shouldn't be they're they're not doing their job and it's really disheartening so marie yeah, my girl yeah but the local media that does most of them do oh. a great and like their their trust is eroded because of these things the national media it, it might not be fair but that's the case and it's like and if you treat um, President Trump differently, whether or not you agree with him or not. Like if you if you don't if you don't give him a fair chance, it's like people are going to kind of say, you know what, I'm done with the media. And it's like that includes all media, and it hurts local journalists who actually do a really good job. And we're very blessed in Nashville and Tennessee to have great local journalists. And I would just say that you should judge them on their own work, not by kind of national media figures that kind of make a mockery of it. I, I totally agree. Yeah, very well said, Mark. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see what Joy Reid says next. Um, so this morning I woke up to see an Instagram post from Billboard that kind of freaked me out a little bit that Ticketmaster was going to require people to have a valid COVID test that was taken within 24 to 48 hours or proof of vaccination to go to shows anymore. I, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't know if this is my hippie side coming out, but I don't like that. Mark, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, when does that start? Because I'm going to a concert next Friday night that I got through Ticketmaster. Do you know where that starts? 
I don't know when it starts. I'll, I'll do some research and I'll let you know. Yeah, please let me know. Um, it's one of those things like, do you like it? No. Do I like it? No. But they're a private company. They can do what they want. You don't, right. have, to to, you don't have to go to concert. I mean, it's not like saying like, oh, to get to go, I don't know, get food. You have to do it. I mean, it's, it's a concert. You can go or not. Um, I don't really like it. But if other people want to do that, and guess what? If other people don't like it the same way that we don't, I mean, it's going to make me, it's going to make me less likely to go to a concert, right? Because like, even if I'm not against, I'm like, I don't have time to go 24 to 48 hours. I, that's a lot of work to put in, um, with, especially before there's a vaccine. That's a lot of work to put in just to go to a concert. So if, unless you really want to see them, you're not going to put that work in. So I think that their sales will suffer. I don't think it's a smart move, but of course, care. it's a private company. They can do what they choose to. Exactly. Um, what do you think about the idea of requiring vaccination to travel? That also kind of scares me. Um, I, I have actually traveled a lot during the pandemic. I've been to New York. I've been to California. I've gone to the beach. I've gone. Yeah, you've gotten about 35 COVID tests already. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of COVID tests. But I really think that um, Kara, Justin's wife, Kara, texted me this morning and said that JetBlue was going to start doing, um, JetBlue, the airline, was going to start having a service that it, it was almost like a TSA pre-check kind of thing where they would offer rapid COVID tests. But if you had already been vaccinated, you had like a, like a badge on your, on your um, boarding pass that was like a pre-check badge. You know, this is something that I'd actually explored this idea with, with um, friends long before this, that I thought that there would be some type of pass for vaccination or have the antibodies or something in the future. But now that it is the future and this is happening, I think I'm getting kind of freaked out by it. It's like a brave new world kind of thing. And I don't know if I like it. You know, that Aldous Huxley book, Brave New World, where I, that I read that in middle school and now I'm like, oh gosh, are we there? I think it's really tough. I think it's a tough, a tough topic because of course, um, I believe that vaccinations are general. I think if you have a vaccination, I will take it. Um, but I, I certainly don't think that the government should force people to take the vaccination. I think that's kind of not what the government's job is. And if you don't get the vaccination and it works, you're only hurting yourself. So like, that's not the same way the government shouldn't ban smoking. They shouldn't, I mean, ban alcohol, like all those things. I mean, you can do what you choose to do. And, I, and I'm not there to tell you. Um, I'm fine with airlines doing it if they, if they want to do that. I mean, nobody flies JetBlue anyway, so I don't think it should be a problem. But um, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough balancing act, right? It's like, as somebody who's like, I, I would get the vaccine. I would think that that would be, I would wait to make sure, maybe give it like a week to make sure it's all good. But I would certainly get it. But also there's people who A, don't believe in vaccine, B, are, are scared of what the government does. And like, I'm not necessarily on that, but I get it. And, and I, don't, I don't think you should be forcing it, a vaccine by the government. If yeah. you want to play a concert, fine. But that's a, a specific event that a, a private company is telling you can't do. So it's just kind of, a, it's kind of a, it's tough because if, if you tell somebody that, they're going to say one of the things, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. You don't think anyone should get it, which is not true. Or B, it's like, oh, you think the government should have complete control over everything, which obviously I don't believe either. So I'm in the middle ground there, I guess. And I think that you're probably close to me on that. I'm close to you on that. I am probably not going to get the vaccine because I am childbearing age and we don't know what the effect of the vaccine is on women who are childbearing. Like, I don't want anything to happen if I do decide to have children in the future. So that kind of stresses me out. But for my mom, who is older and won't be having any more kids, I'm all for her getting the vaccine. I think for me, it's just like, whatever. And then if we see that women my age can have perfectly healthy children with this vaccine, then I'll probably get it. But it's just, I need to see a lot more clinical trials 
before I commit to getting it because I'm a flu shot girl. I always get all my shots. I've always done all that kind of stuff. I get the flu shot every year. It's not that I'm afraid of vaccines. It's that I'm afraid of a new vaccine and the effect that it would have on me potentially wanting to have kids down the road. So you should, you should have the choices around. And real quick, speaking of childbearing years, um, sister may be bearing children soon. She just got engaged, right? So, I mean, give, give yeah, a let's give a, let's give a shout out to my, sorry, the dogs are barking in the background. Let's give a shout out to my little sister, Sarah Jane, who just got engaged last weekend and will be getting married in November of 2021. We'll probably, um, we'll definitely be getting married before me. We'll probably be having kids before me, even though she's six years well, old. Well, hopefully she's having kids before you at this point. That would not yeah, be great. She, yeah, let's, let's, uh, we'll, we'll say that's absolutely going to happen, <laughs> but good on her. She's a, uh, she's a little spitfire and she found somebody who can handle that. So congratulations. <laughs> good for her. Um, let's move on to our fun topic of the week, but even though wedding planning for the maid of honor is fun enough, um, our, our, <laughs> our topic, a fun topic of the week isn't really that fun, but it is something that's especially relevant right now. There have been, there's been a lot of, um, everything in the media this year has been about, um, negativity, about the election, about coronavirus, about what murder hornets, you name it, it's happened this year. Um, but we have also had some really devastating losses in celebrity culture this year. Um, and Mark, I'll let you talk about yours first and then I'll finish it with mine. But, um, there's been two that have really affected us, Mark. Well, yeah. And, and, I feel like, of course, you're, you're said anytime a celebrity dies, whether you like them or not, or whether you even know what they do or not. I mean, it, it, it's always heartbreaking, especially when they die young. The two that affected me the most, just because, I mean, Chadwick Boseman was a big deal, um, just because I had seen a lot of movies he's been in. He was so young, and he kind of battled cancer without anybody knowing, and that was a, that was a tough one. And the other one, which is kind of strange, that you probably don't even know who it was, but, but Clifford Robinson died. Um, he was a, a basketball player, NBA guy. Six man again, another another young person who died. And for, for whatever reason, I know that you're gonna talk more about Alex Trebek. It's like that's so sad when somebody dies when they're 80, 85, 90. Like that's sad, but they lived a full life. When you have a guy who's who's 30 or 40, it's like especially when they die from something that has nothing to do with them. It wasn't an overdose, it wasn't them drunk, stuff like that. It's just really, really sad. So it's been a lot of great people have been lost this year. And same thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, she that was sad, but she's an older woman, like you and she lived a lot. So I do think Chadwick Boseman and Uncle Clifford Robinson were, were the ones that affected me the most. Well, and and of the three people that we're about to talk about, I'm about to talk about Alex Trebek. Those two men left such a beautiful legacy. Um, I don't know about Clifford Robinson, but I know Chadwick Boseman. Everyone talked about how he would go visit children in the hospital, and he was just such a kind and gentle man who left such a beautiful legacy. His movies were excellent. Everyone loved them. Alex Trebek, I feel like, is the same way for me. I um, read his book over the summer and it just really messed me up because it was so beautiful and so sweet. I would recommend it to anyone because he talked about having cancer and getting his affairs in order and what that looked like after a long career. Jeopardy's my favorite show. I grew up watching it. Actually, my dad was a PA at the hospital in Anniston. And when I was a little girl, I used to go sit at the hospital a lot and he would put me in front of the TV and turn on Jeopardy. And all of his nurses and all of his lab assistants knew that his daughter liked Jeopardy. And I hadn't done that since I was maybe six years old. A couple of summers ago, my mom was at the hospital and she ran into one of my dad's old lab assistants. And she said, you have that daughter, the one that loves Jeopardy. This was 20 years ago that I used to sit in front of the TV and watch Jeopardy and this woman remembered it. So I've always loved Jeopardy. I think Alex Trebek was kind of like he and his mustache and glasses were like the, the thing that I grew up watching. And so it was so sad, but it is so beautiful that he and Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived such a long life 
and left such a great legacy for people to to look up to them and left a strong family behind. Um, but it is it is sad. But then if we look at it from the positive side and see what they what the legacy of these people left behind, I only hope that I can leave a legacy probably won't be that big because I don't have the platform that they did, but a positive legacy like they did. The, the other thing, I saw a lot of great memes about like Trebek and, and Sean Connery dying at the same time. And they're like, oh, they're going to be playing Celebrity Jeopardy, which is the yeah. best thing else get in heaven. I, I just love that. And like, it, it's just funny to think about. And, and one more I forgot about, because I actually met him, but I forgot Regis just died recently too. And he was a, one of my favorite. I got, I got to meet him at, at Notre Dame when I was there for, for a football game. And he got to, yeah, he got to sign my autograph. He was so nice to me. Um, but yeah, yeah. just like every day during the summer, Regis and Kelly came on at 9 a.m. Central Time, and I used to watch them every single day during the summer when I was in like middle school. And he went to be a millionaire, remember? That was like when yeah. that came out, that was such a big deal. I loved it. It's kind of gotten stale now, but like, what a, what a great show that was! What a great show. I totally forgot about Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I had the board game where you could like slip the cards into a little thing and give out fake money I, I remember and there are pictures of Regis all over the board game I remember that we have lost some greats this year but so many of them um have left behind such positive memories like we're sitting here smiling thinking about yeah. like positive memories that these people left behind so this is really ending it on not a downer but but an upper note and if you haven't read Alex Trebek's book um read it it's definitely worth it it's cute it's endearing it's really sweet and it's really timely right now mark any final thoughts if you haven't watched celebrity jeopardy and you can deal with foul language you should watch it just just go to youtube put celebrity jeopardy and you'll love it uh, we love we love foul language and we love celebrity jeopardy <laughs> um, thanks for watching we'll see you next week